Hello and welcome to the One Big Podcast. It is me, your host, once again, fellow worker Jason. I'm here with my uh, often co-host, fellow worker Derek. Say hello, Derek. How's it going? And today we're joined by two workers who are organizing at their restaurant job. Um, uh, so we have um, fellow worker Luca. Say hello, Luca. Hello, everybody. And fellow worker Lake. Say hello, Lake. What is up? All right. So we're just going to talk about their current organizing campaign. Um, like I said, they're at a popular breakfast lunch place. I don't think you're open till dinner, are you? No, no. I didn't notice any dinner food. It was a lot of omelets and toast um in a very uh decor that wasn't my style but uh <laughs> very bright it was very bright yeah so uh we're going to talk about their current organ campaign they just did one action that was pretty interesting and uh and kind of their future plans and how they're new to the whole organizing thing and how they're feeling about it so let's start with uh what got you guys into wanting to organize um i guess i can go first um with that my interest in organizing has been a journey a little bit um i've been i've been very passionate about politics my whole life and everything and i recently in the past year or so found the um, labor studies major at my college that was offered and i it, it just really called to me and so i switched my majors from political science to labor studies and um started just learning a lot about the labor organizing process, labor history, and things like that. And it just really made me realize that everyone needs a union regardless. And um, so union organizing is a big passion of mine. So I actually wanted to organize this place from the very beginning. And I really like working in restaurants too. It's um, enjoyable. I like interacting with people. I like, I'm just, I'm a people person and I just wish servers and everyone else in the service service industry were treated better and it's one of the industries that needs unions the most and so that's what inspired me you know it's one of those things i've always found really interesting about uh working with restaurant workers um the ipciww did a lot of organizing for a while for a few years with the service industry workers of the ann arbor area uh, now largely a defunct organizing committee but they you know they had the goal of wanting to organize all restaurant workers and i i've never worked in 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 the service industry i think uh, i held a gas station job but i've never worked in a restaurant i never worked fast fast food i never worked anywhere where i had to serve food and one thing that really stood out to me about um workers in that industry were the sheer number of people that I met that were lifelong restaurant workers and they actually loved the work that they did, right? Like it's, it's, it's work that I've always known deserves respect, but there was so much I didn't know about it. And just like the sheer number of people that I met that would tell me things like, I'm a people person. I love talking to people. I like meeting customers. I have people I see every day. I, 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 I know their families. I, I know what's going on with them. You know, they come in and they talk about their own workplace or things that are happening in their lives. I, I know these people was was kind of op eye opening to me. And it also was one of those things that really cemented for me the fact that like restaurant work, it's a career, right? I mean, people build their lives around this work. And it's this industry that so many of us write off as not worthy of respect, not worthy of of being able to build a life around. Most restaurants don't have retirement plans, right? You're 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 basically living paycheck to paycheck uh, your entire lives, and that's 
uh, I don't know, pretty, pretty gross. So anyway, I, I appreciate that description of the work you, you did there. Also shows why I didn't last because I am not a people person. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's why my only food service job was White Castle when I was 17. And it's still the worst job I've ever had. Anyway, like what, what got you into organizing? Yeah, so um, I I was one of those kids who like really got into like anti-capitalism like really early. Um, and so basically every job that I've had, I've been looking for opportunities to organize. Um, like I had a job at a factory where I was going around like, hey, like you guys, you all have carpal tunnel. Like, why don't you have a union? What is going on? Like, um, but I didn't really know how to organize at all. Um, and I was just kind of like trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I do it? Like, how do I, how do I get these people all together, um, working for the same thing? I have no idea. I'm a dumb kid. Right. Um, and you know, I worked in the fast food industry a while. Um, I went to university. I got like a science degree. I got, um, I spent some time learning about sociology, learning about like psychology, um, and then I got out of college and I started working in restaurants um, and I started working at Olive Garden. And I guess I just, you know, I didn't know. Did you feel like family there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> no, I didn't at all. Um, actually, <laughs> I felt really, really exploited um, every day. Um, I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed the serving. I, you know, I'm pretty personable, I would say. Um, and I enjoy the job of serving. Um, the thing is, it's just like the pay is nowhere. And all of these people, I just saw everyone working so hard, um, working every day, coming in with like a passion and like being so passionate about their work and getting no benefits, um, getting no hourly pay, having to work multiple jobs for what, like 14 an hour. Um, and yeah, um, Olive Garden was really hard, uh, and a very difficult place to serve. And I, and it was just such a big corporation that I kind of felt hopeless starting there for organizing. Um, not that it's hopeless to organize a big corporation. You should try. However, you know, didn't really see a place to start there. And then I saw downstairs and I went, okay maybe there. Right. And I met Luca a couple uh, months after being there and I saw uh, their, their tattoo on their arm, which was an anti-capitalist tattoo. And I went, Hey, you want to organize this place? It so yeah. Into the Spider-Man meme, like, <laughs> yes, it was exactly a Spider-Man. Yes. Um, found each other. <laughs> and so we found each other and um, we started making plans um, and then, we, you know, we both joined the IWW um, and yeah, and then here we are. Yeah. And what you were saying about service workers, about like all the work that they put in and all the hours and how they don't really get that much back from it. Kind of um, it just made me think to what you were saying, Derek, about how this is a career for a lot of people. Um, and it's just not seen as that in our society, unfortunately. Um, but you know, we're not really much an industrial society anymore. We're kind of moving into the service-based society. So, like, there aren't really those typical, like, back in the day when you would just go work in the factory for your whole life, and that was your career. There's not really jobs like that, as many, available to us. And what is available to us are jobs like service worker jobs, like working in restaurants and 
that's what really drew me to the IWW is because they've always organized the people that were kind of left behind by the rest of the trade unions or just by society itself. And that's it's just something I really love about the IWW. Yeah. Well, we're we're happy to have you and and glad to have your energy, you know, in in that in that workplace. I mean, when you came came to me, I think it was a phone call I had. You signed up as a member and I got a I got a I got an email that said you had a new member in your area and I and I and I called you up and we had an onboarding call and that was the first time I heard about the place y'all worked. Uh, and and heard about some of the working conditions there and 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 what was going on. So we scheduled ourselves a meeting to talk about what was going on. Uh, and that's where I think a lot of this stuff kind of started on my end. That's that's where I first heard about all this, all, all the things that were going on there. So you guys meet each other and you're both like, hey, I'm here to do the thing you're here to do. Um, how do you start roping other people into this? Well, um, and how's that going, I should say? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, for me, I had been um, working on my coworker Miles for a long time, just being like, hey, so like you, you see that we're exploited here, right? You see what's going on, right? Like you understand, like we have, did you know that there's strength in numbers? Um, maybe we should do some things together um, to help our situation. Um, and kind of just going around to all of my employees, just kind of gauging where they're at, um, mostly focusing on um, how like the support positions are paid and kind of gauging from there. So um, if they reacted really like strongly, I kind of would be like, oh, okay, um, maybe that's a person to kind of incorporate into organizing. Um or if they kind of reacted like, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it is, et cetera, et cetera. I would say, oh, okay, maybe this is somebody that I should maybe like talk to a little more before incorporating them. Um, if I would find somebody who would have really strong opinions, I would be like, hey, do you want to maybe do something? Like we found um, our two, like, the two people in our organizing party, um, I don't know if I should name their names, but um, basically they were the ones that just kind of seemed pretty like anti-capitalist in general. Um, I kind of like had some conversations with them. And then I think Luca was the one that mostly did the like outward invitations. Yeah. So I kind of what Lake said, I'd say the biggest thing is just keeping an eye and ear out for people. Um for what they say and like if they're complaining or like anything like for example um i had a conversation with a server one time i saw i saw him sitting just like on the ground in the back of the house like just looked really really defeated and i went over there and asked him was like hey what's up like what's going on are you doing okay and um he told me about how the favoritism in this restaurant is just really getting to him and he's tired of it every weekend. And I was able to have a really good conversation with him and I didn't really do anything. It was just being there for people and like keeping an eye and ear out for them. And um, that's actually how I brought one of those people into the organizing committee too, because something happened. So where the dishwasher had, they, the back of house people they get free food every shift and so the, one of the dishwashers requested 
a waffle and he got it of course because he gets free food um but then he asked me for another one as well like a second one which is technically not allowed but i went over to the um person on um, panini who makes the waffles and was like hey i know you already made this person a waffle i don't want to get you in trouble or anything but they did ask for another one if you want to make them one and he replied well i don't care fuck corporations i'll give them a waffle <laughs> and i was like okay this is someone i should probably talk to this is definitely so you really you just got to ask questions to people just like get to know people and it's it's not too bad yeah yeah like a lot of like just listening and like validating people's concerns as well a lot of times they'll like tell you more if you are like on their side about things yeah, I mean, a lot of organizers have different ways of putting that. Um, but I mean, you know, I think the general rule that I that I try to talk about is a 70-30 rule, right? Like, the, but the basic message is, you should be listening a lot more than you are explaining or talking. And when you are talking, a lot of times you should be asking questions. Like, what happened? I would, that that's such a good opening, you know, Luca. Like what, like like what, what's going on? Like, tell me more about what, why you look so despondent, uh, and finding out more about what their grievances are. You can't long term. It is difficult to maintain real organizing momentum if you don't have an environment of solidarity where people know each other. People know that you have their backs. That you're there to listen to them. That you're there to support them. And also, it's difficult to organize if you don't have a sense of collective grievances, right? What are people pissed off about? What are people mad about? It's 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 kind of counterintuitive because I think the popular narrative of organizing is I'm an angry organizer and I go in and I'm going to tell the people what they're mad about, right? This is what we're mad about. And then a lot of people like throw their hands in the air, their fists in the air, and they say, yes, that is what we're mad about. <laughs> and then... And then you go on strike or something, and then the bosses the bosses fold and give you everything you wanted, right? But that's that's really not how how it goes. Like an organizer needs to be prepared to play the long game, and that is that getting and 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 the game here, so to speak, is to get to know people. It is to know who they are, know their families. What why are they here? What brought them here? What are their concerns in the workplace? How do they feel when something happened? Like that's real on the ground organizing that builds relationships and every relationship we form is is a is a piece in the web that builds like real worker power at that workplace speaking of which Derek, i did watch norma jean finally oh yeah yeah you like the part where she stands up on the table and holds up the strike sign and everyone says yes it's time to strike so sign says union oh that's right it says union uh yeah it was great three and a half stars didn't like the love story that was Never had a conclusion. I don't even remember a useless part part of the movie, but I always do feel that way about movies. Um, anyway, just your whole rant reminding me of that. Um, <laughs> speaking of grievances, uh, I know you guys recently marched on the boss a bit. Uh, what what are the common grievances you have? Um, well, one of the most um, I guess, pervasive grievances I noticed. Right, I I wouldn't say it's like the most popular or most like. Um, I'm not sure what the word for it is, but the um, this like blatant disrespect by Sarah to employees, like she is, she has her favorites. Like we've 
kind of her before like that one server who was very defeated by this favoritism um and she uses that favoritism to her benefit so she will treat her favorites very nicely and then there's also then there's this, this shit list that she refers to explicitly to many of the workers there and it's almost like a fear tactic like oh you don't want to be on the shit list because she'll make it very clear that you're on her shit list and you'll get bad treatment and she'll also talk shit about you to um her favorites so it's just a very that was one of the first things i noticed in this workplace it's a very toxic work environment that there is and i was very surprised to see that many people were just kind of feeding into it they didn't really mind it that much they're comfortable and especially the people who were her favorites and they would say things like oh well i'm not on her shit list because i deserve it i i work like i do what she says and i work hard so that's why i'm not her shit on her shit list and everyone is who is on her shit list deserves it because they all take her word um like I, I don't know it's just a very weird work environment and i was just very surprised to hear that people weren't as upset about it as i was i noticed it like right off the bat but actually, and Sarah is the store manager, right? Yes, yes. Right. And and I mean, it's actually very common in, in in my experience working with restaurant workers. The in almost every restaurant I've ever that we've ever touched or organized in, there is almost always a group of workers who get the primo shifts. They get the primo tables. Um, I'm going to find a different word than primo here. Uh, they get. They 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 get they get just basically the best hours, right? And and those people are happy. They're they're doing they're doing well. They're not on anyone's shit list. Uh, and then there are a group of workers that don't get those things consistently. And it's a very interesting dynamic. You know, I don't I don't generally believe in. I don't think bosses are often like in back rooms, twisting their mustaches, laughing to themselves about how they're screwing workers over. Like, I don't think they're clever enough, generally speaking, to plot in that way. But there is there is an obvious power structure there that that they are intuitively tapping into and dividing workers um and it and it, it does absolutely divide up the workplace and it makes organizing on the ground more difficult and a lot of us internalize that structure because we have to live in it we have to live with it and so a lot of what we have to do is unpackage that structure and get people talking about it not telling them why they're mad about it because that's that's a that that's just going to make people feel alienated but talking about it you quickly come to realize that people recognize it and they do have problems with it but they've they've developed ways to cope with it uh, and when you start talking about it those layers of like coping start to fade away and you can start getting into real serious organizing with those people with uh stuff like that it's weird cuz like it's easy to organize around something like low wages or you know uh more break time or something cuz that's like a concrete definitive thing but it's much harder to organize around it's kind of weird here you know uh that's a bit nebulous you know is and i know you recently marched on the bosses how did that go Wait, before we talk about marching on the boss, can I highlight one thing? Yeah, go for it. Great. So there was something else that that that, that you said um, about assessing certain certain concerns in the workplace. And the IWW, something that I've used, and I'm pretty sure I took it from organizer training at some point. Uh, it's been so long, I don't I don't quite recall. But 
we use like this grievance analysis tool often. It's it, it sounds fancy. It's nothing. It's, it's nothing at all like a hammer or a wrench or something more complex. It's it's a it's paper, <laughs> but but it it outlines like what's the grievance, right? What is your concern? And then we assess it by trying to look at three different looking at it in three different angles. And one of those angles is how many people care about it, right? How many people think this is an issue and care about this issue. And then another question that we try to assess it by is how many people does it impact? Like if we make a significant change in this policy or this power structure or this thing, how many people will it genuinely impact? And then the third piece that we should always keep in mind is how much effort is it going to take to fix the problem? Right. Can we fix it? Like my lowest tier is, can we fix it with a march on the boss? Is that going to fix the problem? Or at the other higher end of the spectrum, is it going to be a strike? Are we going to have to shut the restaurant down in order to make change? And like wages, as an example that you brought up, Jason, like wages are one of those things where it's often high, high, right? It impacts a lot of people. A lot of people care about it. But then it's also high in terms of how hard is it going to be to fix that problem. Um, it's going to take, it often takes more than just a simple march on the boss to make changes, significant changes to wages. A march on the boss is a great place to start, and maybe it will end at that point. But but that's a hard one. Whereas something like changing the temperature at your restaurant or or changing the, the distribution of tables or or getting transparency on how tips are given out. That's that that's a maybe a high high low, right? It's it's high high impact. People care a lot about it and it shouldn't take that much to make significant change on that issue because the boss is only going to take so much confrontation but if they go okay, Jesus, leave me alone, we'll do it, right? So um I, and and I think the issue you all selected is a good example of a of a thing that should be relatively easy for the business to change. What what was the issue that you decided to start organizing around? Well, we started organizing around um, a final call policy. So we so currently the restaurant allows people to walk in and get seated up until the closing time at three o'clock. So we were trying to change that. Um, so that people could not come in and get sat past 2.45. Um, so that was just a like a 15-minute last call policy. And all that would have to be done was that the restaurant would just not, you know, let people in past 2.45 or allow hosts not to seat people past 2.45. So, yeah, so we did this um, with a letter writing campaign. So we wrote a letter to the boss, to the corporate managers, basically, asking if, you know, we could get that moved. And we started collecting signatures from our coworkers for that um, with a plan to deliver it to Sarah once um, or our boss once we get that uh, enough signatures. And how did the signature collection go? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Luca and I started by... Um, kind of testing the temperature among some of the more experienced servers and like kitchen staff. So we were went around, we like brought a draft of the letter and we started like testing the temperature. Hey, um, what do you think of this letter? Is this something that you would sign in its current state? Um, what do you think of this letter? Um, and 
every response we got was pretty positive. Um, everyone we talked to, they were saying, yeah, like this is something that I really support. Um, this is something that would like really help us. Everything in this letter is true. Um, and I would like to sign it. Or they would say like, oh yeah, let me think about it. Um, and it was all pretty like pretty positive and we were pretty pretty sure that you know if we started going around collecting signatures that we would get a fair amount of responses um so unfortunately what happened is we started collecting signatures and the very day that we started uh somebody told sarah that we were collecting signatures about this and that's when everything started to go downhill um so yeah, she started like threatening people, um, interrogating people. Oh, did you sign this? Be like, hey, now we're going to close at 3.30 now, since I guess apparently you guys want to close at 2.45, um, pulling people in for threatening one-on-ones, et cetera, et cetera. Just making it very clear among the staff that this is not something that they should support um, for fear of consequences. And because of that, we didn't we weren't able to collect very many signatures at all. I think we ended up only getting about a fourth of the staff at, by the end of it. So how, like, tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about like how, how you all like found out that Sarah knew about the letter collection campaign and like what went through your heads when that happened? I think I w- might've been the first person um, to find out about it um, because the same day we started collecting signatures around like near the end of the shift around like two 30 or something. Um, Sarah pull- comes up to me and is like, Hey, I need, whenever you're finished with what you're doing, I need you in the office. And I'm like, Oh shit. What is this about? I know we just started collecting signatures today. Like there's no way she found out. It can't be about this. And then I end up, I go into the office and it turns out it is about the petition. She found out and she basically tells me that she was like, I don't know if you're the one who's organizing this. I don't know who's really behind all of this, but you, your name came up when I was asking people about this and that I need you to disassociate from whoever's doing this. I need you um, to stop. This. This is not how we go about things around here. And told me that it was actually illegal um, to start a petition campaign at your workplace, among other things. And um, it was very surprising to find out that she found out because I knew someone that we asked had to have told her. Um, So that was a little bit disappointing. And I was also very, very nervous, honestly, um, going into the one on one. Um, But then after I walked out of there, I was like, wow, this isn't really even that bad. Um, Like the worst of what was going on in my mind, like just happened and it wasn't really that bad. She didn't ask me any direct questions. She didn't really say anything. She just told me to stop this. And I was like, okay, okay. And I went back out there and yeah, um, that's about it. It's cool. No, but so, so, but I mean, but you, I mean, this is the thing that I think is so interesting um, about this. And we talk on the one big podcast a bit about like these power structures at work. And the letter you wrote was very polite. It was very, it was very friendly. I think at some point, you know, 
uh, we had talked about making it 2.30. And then we found out that some people thought that maybe 2.30 was unreasonable. And they were uncomfortable signing a letter that called for 2.30 because we'd never get it. And this is like, this is the process, the collaborative process of working with your fellow workers, right? You talk to people, you get feedback, you make adjustments, you make something that can build a sentiment amongst your fellow workers and and you can take that collectively to the boss. And so what you settled on was a 15-minute last call policy uh, that that didn't use the word demand. You weren't like, we're gonna shut the place down if you don't give it to us. It was it was, hey, we would like you to review this, this 15-minute last call policy. Uh, and let us know what you think about it, right? And and even that challenge, that challenge to Sarah's authority was enough to have her go off the deep end and like pull workers into her office to begin interrogating them, to begin asking them, did you sign this? Who is signing? Like who's collecting signatures? Who organized this? If you're If you're doing this, you should stop doing it, right? Like that... That reaction is 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 so emotional. It's 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 not even ground in in like a rational process. She's just reacting out of her authority. This is not how we do it. This isn't how we do this. I make the decisions here. I'm putting words in her mouth now, but still, right? So well, she did say that to me. Um, so yeah, you're not putting words in your mouth. Oh, so great. So you were also pulled in for a one-on-one, right? Right. Oh yeah. The next morning. Um, well, you know, we were all anticipating it. Like I wasn't called in for a one-on-one the day that she found out. So she must be planning something, right. You know? Um, so, you know, the next day, um, I went in, you know, extremely nervous. Um, fortunately, we were anticipating it. So um, Luca and another organizer that had been working with us to get signatures actually showed up to the restaurant hours before they were supposed to come in um, just to have that solidarity with me. And um, we like went over what I was going to say. We had a meeting the night before. Derek, you were there for that. Um, just like rehearsing, like, you know, if she asks you this, this is what you can say. Um, and, you know, that solidarity going in was really helpful. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, she pulled me in um, about two hours after my shift started. And, you know, she started out with like, so there's a letter going around and I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> She's like, so I understand that you're in charge of this. And I'm like, oh, in charge. Okay. Interesting words. Um, as if I'm in charge of anything, as if this isn't a collaborative process. Um, and she was just like, yeah, just like, are you the one in charge of this? And I was just like, oh, you know, I feel uncomfortable answering that question. Um, and that was kind of my standard response. But she was asking me things like, um, who all signed this? If you're not in charge, who is? Um, just trying to figure, just like trying to find as much information out of me as possible. Um, she told me that there's a chain of command and it starts with her and every decision has to go through her. And she is the one that makes every decision. She said that um, this isn't, yeah, this isn't the way we do things. This isn't how we structure these. Like it's a chain of command and it's in every restaurant, in every job. And it's something that I have to abide by. 
And I just kind of was just like, all right, you know, um, <laughs> just like, you know, trying to trying to just intimidate and just be like, you know, like I'm the one in charge and what you're doing is wrong. Um, she told me I had to stop this and that she was going to stop this um, and that she had eyes and ears everywhere and she knows everything that goes on in the restaurant and there was nothing that we could get past her. And I was just sitting there like, what? what is she so scared of? Because we don't even get breaks. And we are asking for 15 minutes at the end of the day to just start our side work. I don't understand. <laughs> like, um, But yeah, I mean, knowing that, you know, Luca was there outside of the office, you know, and that I had people there to support me afterwards, really made me not afraid of her. You know, I mean, I was shaking coming out of the interview, but I didn't cry. And, you know, and I was able to, you know, re like rely on my fellow workers. And that was really helpful. So yeah, that was like the worst thing that could have happened. And it happened. And, and it was fine in the end. Um, and, you know, still working there. So there you go. And, and, I think and we're still organizing too. Still <laughs> <Yes>. organizing. <laughs> Uh, any day you can get through without crying as a win <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I mean and like that's the power of having people by your side you know it's like you know if I was alone in that I probably would have been a crying shaking mess you know but you know I, I that it wasn't the case because I had people that I could go to right after and be like hey you know this is what happened this is what's going on um like thank you for being here you know so I also think it's it's really valuable to think about, you know, what you said about getting together and talking through like what's what's going to happen. Um, this is going to happen. We're going to get called into the office. What's the plan? Having people show up outside the office, having people there to stand by in solidarity with you, prepared to just talk to you even if it's like outside the boss's office what happened inside there how are you how are things or or even just practicing right just practicing how is my boss going to come at me and how should i react to it being prepared for that is also part of the organizing plan how do we respond when the boss goes off the deep end and i think you all did a great job it was awesome so sarah came out threatened y'all what came next did you stop did you stop collecting signatures for about a week we did um i did not collect any signatures for about a week after um it was during the holidays as well so everything was crazy hectic um i was really stressed i was really like intimidated by that one-on-one -on -one, even with you know even with the solidarity like i was still intimidated um and, you know, the restaurant gets really, really busy over the holidays. So it was kind of hard to have those conversations. But we didn't stop totally. Um, we started again, I think, a couple weekends after. And we sat on the steps and we started collecting signatures again. Yes. And um, the day after they found out about the petition, they actually started strictly enforcing this um, policy that had never really been enforced before. It was... Um, where you have to get manager approval to go outside for a smoke break or um, even just to take a moment to yourself. Like any reason you need to go outside, you have to get manager approval for. And they posted it all over the place. And we were using those little smoke breaks and times to get outside of the workplace to 
talk to people about this petition, kind of using it as an organizing strategy. So they're really trying to limit our, and it was really busy, like Lake said, in the holiday season. Um, so like uh, we just started a couple of weekends afterward, we were like, hey, we're just going to sit outside of the workplace. And as people file out, as they do, as they finish their shifts, we'll just talk to them about the petition there. Like, um, so it's just, I guess, kind of like learning how to adapt um, to management's behavior when it's crazy like that, um, like how Sarah reacted so unreasonably. Um, you just got to find ways to adapt and not to give up. Well, I appreciate your response there in that you didn't just not give up. You doubled down, right? You sat outside of the workplace and collected signatures anyway. With in a group, you as a group of workers talked to people as people came out and talked about the petition. And I think Sarah even came out at some point. Did she yell at y'all when she came out? Oh my no, God. And that's the funniest thing because when she saw us all, just four people or five people, I think. I didn't even been six. It was a big group that day. Yeah. When, yeah. We had five or six people on the steps. And, you know, as she walked by, she was holding her head down. You know, did not say a word to us. It was it was one of the best feelings I've ever felt. A little uh, different than how it was when she pulled you in the office. Very different. You know, you know, she's got all the power when it's just uh, her and one worker. Right. But five workers outside of work hours. What's she going to do? Yep. How the tables have turned. How the turntables. <laughs> <laughs> so even despite all of that, right, like the 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 well had been poisoned a bit she had obviously gone around she made a lot of people feel like their jobs were at risk um she interrogated people about about what was going on and you managed to get out some more signatures but at some point we had to call it in a quarter and and i, I want to highlight this and i and i told you all this and i'll tell and i'll and i'll say it here as well that a quarter a quarter is still a lot of people right your restaurant cannot function without those 10 people especially in this especially in this economy but but it is the case it is the case that wherever workers gather you have power the boss doesn't want to confront you as a group uh which she didn't when she walked out head down um no camera no cameras please uh and 10 people signing the statement collectively still sends a message to the boss that there are people who want this to change so you didn't you didn't stop and it, we made a plan uh and so where did we go from there well actually before we before we go on to that can i ask you because at some point we decided to file an unfair labor practice now this is perhaps controversial to some of our fellow workers i know um, I know that not everybody, not everybody in the IWW or even outside of the IWW believe that um, the NLRB is our friend. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a firm personally. I'm a firm believer of um, strategy and can we use it strategically? The National Labor Relations Board is a federal bureaucracy. Uh, it moves slowly sometimes. It's not always as effective as it can be. Uh, but it is a tool that we can use in our organizing tool chest at some point. And in this case, we made, we had decided that there were so many violations that she had pulled, so much interrogation, so much intimidation, 
that it had frozen the environment, so many direct threats to workers that strategically, like my my own criteria for this, which I believe I shared with you too while we were talking about it, is because at first we weren't going to follow ULP, but at some point it became such a problem that it addressed my criteria, which is, does it build worker power or and or um, does it help build worker momentum um, and uh, and or um, who's the third criteria? I don't remember what it is, but the first two are really are really important. Forgot uh, your own criteria. I did. You know. You know. I don't. I. You know. It, it's. It's been a long day, man. Uh, but. But regardless, if you aren't building worker momentum and you're not building worker power, you know, a ULP may or may not help you. But in this case, we decided that we were making a plan to go march on the boss, and it was in our best interest to start bringing out another lens, another avenue of pressure. That's what a lot of organizing is about, right? What pressure can we bring to bear to accomplish our goals and to make sure that workers know that we are there and that we and that we have each other's backs? And so bringing in a ULP, an unfair labor practice, uh, was decided that, that that was a strategic mechanism that we a, a strategic tool that we could bring to bear to add additional pressure. Uh, on the boss while we marched in the front door. We filed the ULP. How was that process for you two? Yeah, so uh, we filed it on my birthday. Um, (laughs) I don't think I knew that. Happy birthday, belated. Yeah, uh, we filed it on my birthday. Well, the thing was, the environment was just, like, as you said, so frozen. Like, everyone was just really terrified. We had this boss going around threatening people. Like, what... Like, what are they supposed to do? They're they're scared for their jobs. Like, of course, they're not going to sign a petition. Like, I, I, you know, I understand. Um, But yeah, so I think the filing of the ULP was not actually that hard. I think Luca and I filed it in like probably, I don't know, two hours. Yeah. It was not that hard. Um, It was just like a really simple form. We like checked some boxes, wrote a small summary of what was going on. Um, and the very next day, guess who was acting super nice, you know, um, because corporate got a notice. Um, and now we have a boss who can't retaliate and knows that if she does retaliate, there will be consequences. Um, so right now we have, we are dealing with nice Sarah. We're dealing with uh, good Sarah, um, instead of mean, angry, threatening Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Sarah's like blatant disregard for labor law in both of our, um, one-on-ones that we had just made me realize she probably just does not even know labor law and corporate probably had to come in hr had to come in and give her a crash course on labor law and how to treat your employees because obviously she did not know which is crazy because her former job was with the law anyway i don't need to go into that but yeah so i do just want to highlight for fellow workers who are listening out there that that a ULP is not an an end of itself, right? And I'm not going to tell people to not exercise their federally protected rights, but our power doesn't come from the federal government. Our power comes from solidarity. Our power comes from having workers at our backs 
and marching in together to demand change. Um, but that being said, I don't think that it should be thrown out because it is still a strategically useful thing to have in your tool chest. It's just a matter of when you deploy it and in what way you're going to deploy it. I, I don't think that a single worker who is organizing their workplace is going to accomplish a lot strategically with an unfair labor practice. Again, doesn't mean that they shouldn't file it. It's up to them. Uh, but if you're trying to organize in the long term, you know, the criteria, again, I would use is does it build does it build power um does it build momentum does it does it give you some clearance here to really proceed in the path that you're going as a group and as a group you already had solidarity you already had a group of people you were already taking action in front of the in front of the restaurant and 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 standing there while sarah walked by head down walking away so you had the things you needed and this really gave us a good way to to address the boss directly and give ourselves some cover in the process. So we made a plan to march on the boss. How do we feel about that plan and how'd that go down? Yeah, so the plan was originally to, um, we were gonna march on the boss, of course, with the petition and the organizing committee that we have at the time. And um, we also were thankful enough to have a bunch a great like a good number of wobblies who were um coming in that day on um the march of the boss and they all got seats in all different sections of the restaurant um up at the counter like everywhere wobblies were all over the restaurant and one of the wobblies fellow worker alec um was sitting up at the bar and the plan was he would call sarah over to talk about something just some excuse to get the boss out on the floor and as soon as that conversation finished up then we were we were already gathering behind um sarah and we all five of us were there and as soon as she turns around lake goes up and tries to deliver the petition and man she ran like she she went so fast she, she was like bolted. no <laughs> she was like no we're not doing this here she's like can we Come not do this office. here <laughs> yeah it, it was it was um i was not really expecting that to be honest with you because originally the plan was we were gonna deliver the letter out in the open out in the middle of the restaurant and then as soon as we were finished i was gonna send a cue for all the wobblies to stand up and applaud and it was gonna be a big dramatic thing um but no uh, she she ran and went to the office and so we ended up we just all five of us just followed her all the way like in a line and um we went to the office delivered it didn't really experience anything negative they treated us very professionally like very hr lingo like oh okay thank you for this we appreciate it we'll get this to corporate and we'll let you know what comes next or something like that yeah I was surprised because in my one-on-one -on -one, Sarah was saying things like I will never work with you on this I will never talk to corporate and then after the ULP and I think that's what did it you know is we filed the ULP and now all of a sudden thank you I will take this to corporate it's not my decision to make but um I will get it to somebody and they put it in an envelope um I will note that my hands were shaking the whole time that I was talking to her and I saw her looking down at my hands as they were shaking holding the letter and just be like I'm like oh, okay <laughs> but yeah 
um, it went fine. It was yeah. not that scary in the end. And, you know, the Wobblies all, you know, paid their bills, left big checks, uh, big, uh, sorry, left big tips was what I meant to say and wrote little notes of solidarity for the workers. Um, and it was a really nice experience. I would call it a really good day and, mm -hmm. um, you know, very memorable, memorable to me because that's the first time I've ever done anything like that. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, I remember Lake telling me that, um, the servers were looking up what solidarity meant because they saw these fat tips and they saw <laughs> solidarity. solidarity like, huh, what is this? What is this? <laughs> But one of the servers um, was like, looked at my check and went, wow, that's a really big tip. And as he's walking by me, he puts his fist in the air as like a symbol of solidarity. And I went, wait. <laughs> this is someone we need to talk to. I think. I'm like, oh, <laughs> a potential, Probably. potential uh, organizer. Like I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was a really good day. And um, I think like, you know, working with the IWW on this was, um, I guess, a resource that was indispensable to us because, um, you know, not only did we get a lot of advice from really experienced people, um, as new organizers, you know, we don't we don't know all that much about the process. We don't know how to word things. Um, somebody came to a meeting and told us, you know, this is how I would word this message to your boss. This is how I would uh, deliver this letter. And, you know, that was fantastic advice. You know, we didn't know what to say. Um, so, yeah, I think like into just having that support there in the restaurant and knowing that all of those people were there to support you. Um, it, it felt great. And it felt like um, just really indispensable. That's great. I, I, I love I love this story all, all over the place. This fills me with warm little wobbly feelings. <laughs> yeah, uh, as far as like, you know, uh, her attitude changing after the UOP and like, you know, that kind of thing. That's why uh, I sort of agree with Derek where like it's important it's a war on all fronts, right? So you might as well fight it all on all fronts. You find this a lot with like, you know, in left-wing circles where like people are against voting or whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's the minimum. Like it's not going to change. You're not going to vote your way to freedom railing, but it's another front where you could fight. And it's a pretty easy one, you know? So like a UOP, it's like you said, it was pretty easy to fill one out. It's an annoyance probably at best to corporate and it's not going to like suddenly win you a union but like it will be another thing they have to deal with another point uh that they're gonna make an attitude changes on right yeah and honestly i i think lake and i both feel very much more protected now because like sarah was just acting very very unreasonable as we kind of went over and people including ourselves were very afraid of losing our jobs because of this um but now with the ULP, like we feel more protected and we feel like we have like this six month period to kind of just go crazy, like talk about wages, like in the workplace and just like kind of be a little bit even more bold. Like I'm not as afraid of being fired for collective activity now because there's already a ULP being filed that like the government is looking over her shoulder and she's doing everything she can not to fuck up again because I think she knows that she fucked up in this yeah situation. she knows she can't do that she can't intimidate people anymore 
Um, honestly, like, I just like, it's just like she was so bold right out of the gate. I'm hoping that that um, boldness, that intimidation doesn't stick in people's heads. Um, and that, you know, they feel empowered to move forward because like, you know, we're going to get this period of time, you know, where they are investigating her. And I think during that period of time, she's probably going to be a little bit scared. She's probably going to, you know, maybe not be as brazen. And I think that's something to really take advantage of, you know? I will, I will, I will point, I will just, I just want to say though, that the ULP probably figures into this in some way, but I will point out that the first time Sarah was cowed was before the ULP was ever filed when she walked outside and a group of you were standing outside, right? And the ULP definitely, you know, certainly contributes to this as well because it definitely feels more serious now. But at the same time, you all marched on her in the restaurant demanding change. And and it's a lot harder for her to react. Like that's the power that you have. That's the power that we have. And I think that she would be reacting that she would be that she would be cowed as well now with the confrontation that you that you took the march you did on the boss in the restaurant the ULP contributed to that but i think that ultimately as we saw when she walked outside of the restaurant that that she is responding to the power that you that you have brought to bear here and i'm 100% with you that we've got to use this and continue organizing continue talking continue building those relationships remind people that we have a right to do this that we that we can organize to improve our working conditions there's a good chance that she might double down now right because now we've 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 brought in and corporates involved and and the federal government's looking over her shoulder and maybe maybe she'll feel nervous about reacting certain ways but you know inside She's still the person who feels like she should be in charge. And so we have to watch how she behaves and we have to build a power base now to continue confronting her with bigger and bigger numbers uh, to make sure that she can't get away with anything. And we will hold her to account. Exactly. All right. I think that about wraps it up. Uh, any Anything else you want to go into, Derek? You know, I'm just kind of curious. I, the, the only last thoughts I would have is from um, Lake and Luca. Are there any organizing tips that you that you two have picked up along the way? Things you've learned that you think fresh fresh faced organizers would also benefit from from learning. Words of wisdom. I'd say um, one thing I wish we would have done differently. Maybe um, just we kind of started this organizing campaign with the petition. And I kind of wish we just would have, before we got everything kicked off like that, we would have done some more social events or something because we've got a pretty small workplace and it's about 40, 45 people. And with the way it is right now, it's very divided. Like Sarah uses her power to divide us like we've talked about in the past. And it would have been really nice to kind of connect everybody, like get people feeling a sense of community with their workers instead of this like, fear of Sarah, I guess, you know, so it would have been nice maybe to hold some social events, get to know people more. And then from that base, kind of start organizing with some more um, pertinent issues or something. Yeah, Luca and I were talking about this, I think yesterday, even like, you know, we're talking about like, right now, organizing like a get together of workers. And 
we could have done that from the start, you know, we could have, um, like talked to like gathered a group of people outside of work and talked about grievances and talked about like, you know, what, what they felt were the most important grievances, what they want addressed. And instead, I, what we did was we kind of gathered information from various sources, but like not all together. And we did it at work, you know, and we didn't kind of, I don't know, we didn't really have that uh, pulling of workers together that we wanted. And I think that doing that initially would have been really beneficial. And I think that, um, you know, if if I'm organizing again in a new place, that is something that I'm going to want to start with. Well, and even now, though, you still we're still planning some social events. We're going to get to know some people. Uh, we're going to continue building those relationships and and continue continue our organizing efforts <laughs> and keep organizing, keep organizing there. So I think I think y'all are in a good place and we'll just keep we'll just keep on trucking. Yeah, there's definitely a way forward, and we're just going to try and find it. What was that look for, Jason? Just pulled out a saying from the 70s. (laughs) Keep on trucking. Let's keep on trucking. All right, yeah, whatever. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'm excited to see what you guys do next. I'm also, you know, as I've said on the podcast before, Derek's the bread, I'm the roses, so I'm definitely in favor of more social events. You know, uh, get together, hang out, and... At the very least, someone will get too drunk and then you'll have blackmail. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Anyway, so yeah, uh, thanks for being on. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to see you guys do next. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. And that's the show, folks. It was recorded and edited by me, fellow worker Jason. The intro and outro song are also by me, fellow worker Jason. If you'd like to join the IWW and be part of the One Big Union, go to iww.org slash join. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us, you can always email us at ypsilanti at iww.org. And until next time, an injury to one is an injury to all.